This is the John Oakley Show podcast. You know, the other day we had that blockade out on Highway 6 outside of Caledonia. Uh, I mean, these things that deter the traffic of uh, freight and all the rest of that have had such serious impact on the country's economy. It's such a serious consideration. You wonder if there's, in fact, uh, the political will to address it in a timely fashion uh, from the folks in charge up in Ottawa. Aaron O'Toole is the MP for Durham, and he's also a candidate for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada, and he's written recently in an op-ed piece in the Post that if he were in charge, uh, he'd have a plan to deal with this right quick and effectively. So let's get to Aaron O'Toole on the line here on The Oakley Show, and he can spell it all out for us. Aaron, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm great, John. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you coming on. I thought it was very noteworthy that uh, you're writing this, a very coherent presentation. You talk about passing a Freedom of Movement Act. I want you to tell us what that is specifically, and I'm wondering if it's even necessary, given that we've already got laws uh, on the books uh, that might suggest some of these things that you are, but tell us what you got in mind. Well, I think that this act will declare critical pieces of public infrastructure, ports, airports, bridges, uh, national highways, as critical and designate the blockading of them as a crime. More more so than charges of mischief and other things that police can use now or wait to see the violation of court order, if we actually determine that these structures are in the public good because of their critical importance to our economy, we can actually criminalize the illegal blockading of them and, uh, and send a message that police should be encouraged to clear it before the blockade gets entrenched and more activists reinforce the line. So we really have to show that public good, the railway originally brought this country together in Confederation, these things need to be maintained and public order and the rule of law has to be paramount. Well, do you think that the police, uh, be it out there out west, uh, in pockets around the GTA, including out east of Belleville, uh, were slow to enforce the rule of law? Well, I, I think they didn't see whether they received the backing of the federal government. You know, the federal government should not direct individual police operations. But they have to know that the federal government determined these blockades to be illegal and that the public will and the public interest was in clearing them and not allowing this sort of contagion of lawlessness to continue. When the Trudeau government was silent, it led to more blockades, bridges, you know, tracks in Belleville that have nothing to do with a pipeline in in British Columbia, it spread more lawlessness, and I think law enforcement weren't sure whether there would be support of the government. Um, the indigenous file and rail file are both federal issues. To hear Mark Garneau try to slide this over to the pro- provincial government, I think, was just an example that they haven't shown the leadership required. Again, with Aaron O'Toole, MP for Durham. Uh, So when Justin Trudeau finally came back from uh, his wandering ways, uh, seeking a seat on the Security Council, he counseled patience, dialogue, and a peaceful resolution. Was he wrong in that regard? Yes, because these um, these were not protests. These were not the expression of dissent. These were illegal actions to actually hurt the economy of Canada. And what's missing in all this is coastal gas link Uh, did everything right. They have benefit agreements they negotiated with the elected band councils in all the First Nation communities. There actually is no uh, wronging of Indigenous peoples. They're behind it. 
And the manipulation of the issue by foreign interests has been troubling. Global News reported yesterday that some of the main organizers are actually student activists from the United States. So I think we need to call a spade a spade here and dialogue with people that are not only breaking the law, that are sort of holding the economy hostage is a sign of weakness by a government. The rule of law must be paramount. There's also a suggestion that a compliant media only wanted to promote one aspect or one narrative, uh, and that was that the wet sweating people were uh, firmly opposed to this and their rights were being subsumed and it was colonialism rearing its ugly head again and so on and so forth. So that when you cite that, in fact, uh, it was in the majority interest of the Wet'suwet'en people that this project go forward, uh, what do you make of that narrative somehow getting lost or was it somebody's inability to communicate that more forcefully? Well, I think this is a wider issue, John, of how the left and some of the commentators out there um, are so uh, so scared to perhaps offend uh, um, someone on an Indigenous issue that they're not even looking into the issues. They're just siding with the activists who are claiming to stand for Indigenous rights. The reality of the situation is a lot of Indigenous communities across this country want to participate in the resource economy. They want to see benefit from whether it's pipelines or exploration. And they do. You know, we have a pretty developed duty to consult law in Canada now for several decades where there's actually a benefit agreement negotiated and companies are are complying with this. Canada is actually a world leader. And it's shocking how, you know, a few people with placards because they have a sympathetic slogan seems to fool a lot of people around the country. And it really took a matriarch from the Wet'suwet'en uh, who spoke out to the Globe to say, we support this project. Uh, one of the few hereditary chiefs who opposed it ran for ban council on an anti-development agenda and lost the ban council election. So I think I'd like to see more commentary that actually shows that uh, Indigenous cooperation is paramount. I used to do this as a lawyer. I worked with the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Business, run by Indigenous Canadians, growing the economy. We can't let our economy and the narrative be captured by a small group of special interests. But many people are citing that it was actually the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, uh, who took us down this path, and uh, which has sort of exacerbated or stoked this particular narrative, given it currency or oxygen. Uh, do you think a lot of this resides in his lap? Absolutely. I've said the shutdown Canada movement, which is this hashtag and the, and the protesters' slogan, was indirectly started by the Trudeau government. Bill C-69, which also hurts Ontario and other provinces, is a bill that was seen as an anti-resource development bill. And most premiers in the country, a majority of the population, the provincial leaders asked the Prime Minister of Canada not to proceed with that bill. When he did that, he basically defied the will of the people from a democratic level to appease a small but loud voice within the voter coalition that Justin Trudeau has cobbled together. You also then see tanker bans and, and pipeline cancellations. When he ca- cancelled the Northern Gateway Pipeline, John, it was one-third owned by Indigenous Canadians. And the Prime Minister did not give them a courtesy phone call. He failed in the duty to consult. So they've run a shutdown Canada agenda, and that's where the activists have been inspired from.
And finally, uh, on that matter with Indigenous peoples now, uh, it lends its name, the Indigenous title, to the UN's uh, Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People that the Liberal government looks like they want to adopt Holus Bolus. Uh, You say something about that in your op-ed piece as well. Well, we were told, so when, as you said, Justin Trudeau was flying around Africa, you know, trying to win votes for his UN Security Council bid, and he was going to go to Barbados in the Caribbean the next week, we were told in Ottawa that the, the Liberals were going to table this UNDRIP, the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, in the middle of all this. And what I have a major problem with is, first, Canada is a sovereign nation, and we don't need any other world body or agency to tell us what to do. The, the bigger issue is actually our duty to consult developed from Supreme Court judgments going back 20 years on Aboriginal title and other things is far more detailed, and we've already been doing it. We didn't have to wait for the UN to tell us. And I thought at the time there, special interests were co-opting Indigenous issues in really what was an anti-resource protest movement, a blockade movement. To, To put something in like this in the middle of it would have been not only disruptive, but it would have actually held back resolution. So the Liberals didn't do it. But I'm telling them now they shouldn't be doing more symbolic gestures from the U.N. or hashtags or taking names off of buildings, which he did on Indigenous Canadian Day a few years ago. Enough of the token measures by the Trudeau government. Let's build a few things in this country and let's make Indigenous communities partners. They want to be. It's the protesters that don't want them to succeed. So let's call them out. Aaron, great to talk to you as always. And uh, we look forward to doing it again real soon. I look forward to it. Thank you. Aaron O'Toole, MP for Durham, candidate for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.